1116 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Find your kind of value at Honda with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au and the TAC safety barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety barriers save lives. Getting us towards zero. He takes it, he straightens and he puts it lace out to Tom McDonald. 45 out to lift the D's out of their seats. It's a mighty goal. And met with the accompanying roar to the teeth of goal. Gorn's pushed forward, there's no one to fly against him. He's 30 metres out from goal. He's rehearsed this a few times. Not after the siren, but it's straight through the middle. Dragged it across the face, still has to be dealt with. Wiedemann! Oh, you're kidding me. Sam Wiedemann, as good as point blank range. He's kicked it. It's an opening quarter onslaught from Melbourne. It's going to script for Melbourne right now. The question mark has been asked of Geelong. Marks and plays on inside the 50. Hawkins. Tom Hawkins' right foot drop punt is on the money. The Cats claw back. Menzel on the end of the Scott Selwood and he can't miss, but he did. Oh. Inexplicably. Sydney's two from 15 metres out. Melbourne have just been let off the hook. Has a look inside the 50. Hawkins is his man up over the top of Lewis. He takes the juggling mark. Oh, look at this going off the ground. Selwood and Harms boxing on all the way to the bench. It's going to be reversed. Oh, no. Well, that's three opportunities from north to 20 that Geelong now butchered. Petrarca out of the traffic. Hand pass to Nathan Jones, who's waited a lifetime for this. <laughs> he snaps the goal. Nathan Jones personifies the journey of Melbourne through the dark years. And he strikes a blow at the start of the final term. Kicked it in a hurry beyond halfway. Henderson oh. went over. This is it. Hannon's onto it. Raced away. Two bounces. He might have a third. Hannon almost point blank. It's over. <laughs> Melbourne fans breathe it in. Victory is coming in September. And Mitch Hannon on the run of his life. He went short. Maybe he still can't see straight because it was Neil Pullen that's chipped in to take the mark. Alex Neil Pullen. He might kick the last goal of this game. He's put it through. Who <laughs> better than a hyphen to kick a goal? Late for the Demons. Go Deeps. Melbourne step out of the darkness and into the light that only final success can bring. I thought our boys handled the moment incredibly well. Obviously, a huge crowd, first final. But our players were just adamant that they were going to put their brand on show. I thought they certainly achieved that in the first quarter. They established the way the game should look and thought the boys did a terrific job. The support that we got tonight was absolutely unbelievable. And we need them again next week because they're pretty instrumental for us tonight. The promise of Melbourne released on a night to savour and break open the possibilities of what's to come. Coach Simon Goodwin is our headline guest. They deserve the feeling they've got at the moment. We probably deserve the disappointment that we feel. We blew some chances that were inexplicable in our mind. Killed in the clearances, killed in the contested ball, killed in the ground balls inside forward 50. I almost can't think of a facet of the game that we outplayed them in. The coach remains optimistic, but as the Cats fall short again in September, we'll ask whether hard decisions have to be made.
Andrew and I are here for the for the week to discuss, you know, the mix with a few clubs. Um, certainly Carlton's in the mix. I think they've got to make it more difficult for the top clubs to, to take the best players from the bottom clubs. I think a few of them in 2017 took their eye off the ball. I think Luke could put his hand up to say that he, he maybe wasn't as dedicated or as hungry as he'd been in years before. To suggest that is, is irresponsible. And I think it's really disrespectful because it, it attacked my integrity as a person. To suggest that I've got an axe to grind, I found that really unfair. Lambert to Martin. The toughest possible kick! It's Dustin Martin! Nothing's impossible! Dustin Martin! What a kick! What a goal! What a player! Dusty ushered in the final series, helping Richmond lay down a marker. While debate raged over the likelihood of the Tigers adding Tom Lynch, it's all in the crunch. It's a massive finals edition of Crunch Time for the Honda Right Choice event with offers across a range of vehicles. See honda.com.au for details. And the TAC, safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Crunch Time. A huge show ahead. The covers are on at the SCG. I'm not sure there'll be any play before lunch. That is the venue for Game 3 of this year's finals. And what a night it was last night at the MCG as Melbourne kicked five unanswered goals in the opening term. It was a real struggle as the Cats did claw their way back but never really got close enough to threaten the Demons. In the end, it was 10-15-75 to 6-10-46. Today, it's the Sydney derby between the Swans and the Giants. Well, look ahead to that and the game between Collingwood and West Coast, as well as back to Thursday night where the finals action all began. But our focus primarily in the first hour will be on last night. Simon Goodwin will be our headline guest. Great to have Jared Waitley with us here at the SCG. It's uh, been plenty of inclement weather, but it looks like it's going to get a little bit better, but it won't be perfect. But we know these two sides, when they meet at any stage, and the one game they've played previously in finals, she'll be on here later today, Jerry. It was steel chairs in the first half of that qualifying final. I'll never forget it. I reckon it's the craziest half in a final I've seen. Uh, there was magnificent storms here last night. The radar had black at its heart, let alone the red. So... Uh, all in all, they've done a pretty good job. They're out marking up the turf after whatever damage might have been done. So uh, it'll be on. As I think <laughs> some rivalries are confected and convenient. This one is deeply felt and quickly it was, and you would expect it to be a physical affair. Yeah, it may have started confected, but it didn't stay that way for very long, that's for sure. Joining us on our journey up to Sydney, others have failed to make it to Sydney, we believe. Some of the media are scrambling to get here, but we were... Fortunate enough, Bob Murphy, to have the very early flight this morning. It's been great to share the journey so far. Great day ahead, but what a night. I mean, the question, one of them is, is Melbourne the Bulldogs of 2016 and the Tigers of 2017 after the rollicking affair last night from their from their fans particularly and the players, the way that they've embraced the, so far what's occurred, but the way that they have, I guess, followed what happened with the Dogs and the Tigers last year, can it take them just as far? Uh, hello, Anthony. Hello, Jared. Uh, it's it's uh, it's undeniable that that side of it because of what we've seen the last couple of years, and I think now more than ever this this modern game that we're looking at to have momentum on your side at the start of a final series, but also the emotional wave. And you, you watching last night uh, after the first final, seeing seeing Richmond just just bully Hawthorne out of the way you sort of think wow that you know how far by Richmond and then last night I was like well not not just yet because mm. because we've we've I've for a long while this year so people have 
had one eye on Melbourne for the whole year. If they can just get it together, they have the they have the chess pieces. And last night, they, they haven't put a foot wrong in the last month, and, and they look ready to roll. Yeah, they're replicating this part of the elements of style of Richmond and the Bulldogs as well, which we'll discuss as the morning goes on. Kane Corns is with us back in Melbourne this morning. Kane, uh, we'll start on Melbourne and, and talk to Goody, but we definitely need to talk about the Cats as well. I'd be interested to get your thoughts on that. Good morning to you, mate. Uh, good morning, boys. Yeah, no, it was terrific. I loved every bit of it. I thought it was a terrific game of footy. Goes to show it doesn't need to be high scoring, and, and that's what finals footy was about. But I think Bob's right. We've, we've all been um, looking at Melbourne closely because they're very of strength are what stands up in finals. They win the clearances by 10 last night. Contested footy was strong, and if not for inaccurate kicking, game over. They win by 10 goals, probably game over at half time. So, uh, yeah, loved it. I think I've just got to be careful about not to get too caught up in that. I know uh, Chris Judd mentioned over celebrating. It's not that. You've got to enjoy the success and the momentum that you're on, but you still have to tick the box this week at training enjoy it for 24 hours but move on quickly and get yourself in the right frame of mind because we often see uh, the winner of the qualifying uh, the loser of the qualifying final beat um, the uh, the winner of the other final uh, and they think it's going to just happen um, they got to knuckle down and make sure that they continue this good form and this hunger at the footy that they showed last night and just a tease of what we'll talk about after we chat to Simon Goodwin about the Cats to you what's the what's the biggest couple of concerns and questions you have about where they're at now Geelong yeah yeah I, look I just think um, that their lack of um, un- underneath the depth underneath the, the players that we've spoken about look I, I thought. Their midfield was poor last night. When you look at uh, Ablett, I, he, he's been getting praise for his performance, but I thought it was a safe game from Gary Ablett. I, I thought his tackling was quite tentative, and the second half, was his numbers were okay, but I thought he was tentative. Selwood's been shown that he can get shut down when he when he has close attention. Dangerfield was off, but that's uh, not... It was unlike Dangerfield, and then Duncan was poor as well. So when they don't fire, uh, look out. They're clearly beaten in the ruck. They've got issues there. And then uh, in defence, they're, they're, they're all at sea as well with the names that are, that are missing and, and their ageing defence. So I think they've got... Um, it's shown all year their inconsistencies continue to come up, and they just can't um, be good for a couple of weeks and poor for a couple of weeks and expect to go into finals and stand up in big games because they were shown up like they were last night. Yeah, their form in finals can't be denied, and we'll talk about that a little later. But let's start with the celebration of the Demons. Uh, Jared. and it was, it was such a pleasure to be there, wasn't it? It was, as this... It's like this has been foretold. It was foretold in the predictions of the preseason, and then they they had their moments of not quite measuring up. But always had this theory that they'll learn when they learn, and the possibilities of it being within this season. And they have they if winning is a habit, they have now picked it up. But they were always made for this, weren't they? They were made for finals. The brutality and the physicality that's required, and the the tackling and they just have those set of players where you thought these blokes will thrive in this in this furnace, and so they did. And so I expect them to continue. I think they're made of the right stuff. I love their spiritual connection to their clan, Bob, as it were, and they want to take those people on a journey. It's an all-of-club experience. I think that's the best way to go about it. I have no fears about them. If they lose a game, it'll be because they're ultimately not quite ready or not quite good enough. They won't. They won't lose it because they were high-fiving their fans. I love that the spiritual side of it has become so relevant, I think, along with they fill the bill for the analytics, they fill the bill for the style, they fill the bill for the statistics. There was some there was some nice little touchstones too, wasn't there? The, the footage in the last quarter, they went to Ron Barassi in the crowd, and then Nathan Jones kicks a goal in the last quarter that was... Ro- 
beautifully called by yourself, Jared. The, the link from, from the dark days until now, uh, yeah, undeniable. They're, they're on the roll. Is there is there any elements that Melbourne fans should be concerned about? What, what's there, Eric, Jared talked about, if they were to fall short? is there, Are they lacking anything? I mean, obviously, Hogan out for the finals, but Wiedemann Kane last night was extraordinary. His first quarter. And Tom McDonald, I mean, his transformation from being, and at times slightly dodgy with the footy defender to being a, an accurate goal kicker that can take it, just take repetitive marks and cover so much ground. It's, it's quite astonishing, really. And a massive tick for the coaching because it would have been quite easy to throw McDonald back when Lever went down and got injured. Um, and that would have been the easy thing to do, but he didn't. He held firm and he went with a makeshift defence for a while and, and kept McDonald and Hogan forward, which worked. So he started the game beautifully, McDonald, last night, marked the ball strongly, faded out a little bit. But Wiedemann's the one. You know, what a replacement for Hogan. His athleticism and his ability to cover the ground, he's quite a unique player. When you look at his numbers last night, extraordinary. 24, 10 contested possessions, three goals straight, and a couple of big physical moments for a young player. It's almost the story of the night individually for Melbourne fans to think, wow, Mm -hmm. there's another one that we've got. And just, just Clayton Oliver. I mean, looking at the best players in the, in the Herald Sun today, wasn't featured highly in that. But I just thought, I think he's... I think he's shading Cripps as the best young midfielder in the game. He's now elevated his game to add some agility in there. He's got penetration in his kick. He's, I think he's the best handballer in the game in traffic. His vision is extraordinary. And as you say, Jared, he's just built for finals on the big stage. And he, he covers the ground. So he's going to be just some sort of play. He's, he's a freak. I, I loved his game last night. So Brayshaw's third quarter. Yeah. which he, yeah. If there was any doubt, he sort of took the game away. And then you throw in... Uh, Wiedemann, who, uh, not uh, Wiedemann, um, Vandenberg, yep. who's got his limitations, but he's a brute. Yep. And they are brutish, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, so I think, yep. you know, more than ever before, finals are about, they are about system, but I don't think they're as much about structure. They are about chaos and they are about commitment. And there's just so many players you go, oh, yeah, that it, in the modern context of what finals have become, that they are tailor-made. You can see it in their faces after the game. As they were coming off the, coming off the ground, you... Jared, they've been built for this. They're, they're a final side that's been put. They've got the brute midfielders, but there's nothing quite like doing it. You can be built for it. And t- they would have been talking about this for a long, long time, Jack Biney and Clayton, all of those, those young midfielders. But there's nothing quite like going out on the MCG in a final and then executing it the way they did. That first quarter, that that just absolutely floored you. I mean, the game was essentially, you thought, it's a long way back from here. That's the my only little question mark on last night was they really should have pulverised mm. Geelong and they didn't and they just left the door ajar long enough that if Geelong had got things together they and, might have been half a chance. And but. teams have done that to them this year, haven't they? They've uh, they put big quarters together and that I guess still remains a doubt whether teams can maybe get them on the outside at times and and put repetitive scores together. We need to break because Simon Goodwin's going to join us. Just as we get Kane, are they ready to challenge for the flag, Melbourne? Um, yes, I think they are. I think I've been pretty positive about them all year, and I think they've got the game to be able to do that. Bob? Yep. Yep, they are. The, with, the, with the monkey off their back for last night, that it's all upside for them. 18 past 11. We'll take a break. This is Crunch Time for Honda. Right choice event. The event ends this weekend, and the TAC, Safety Barrier Saves Lives, getting us towards zero. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. 
1116 SEN, the award-winning crunch time. Honda, right choice event, ends this weekend. Welcome back. It is crunch time for Honda, that right choice event. It ends this weekend, so get in as quick as you can. And the TAC Safety Barriers Save Lives getting us towards zero. And we're joined now by the coach of the Demons, who can't help, I'm sure, but have a smile on his face. He has to look ahead to what's next week because the Hawks are waiting for him, but will reflect primarily on last night. And a great night for yourself, Simon, but for the, cl- for the team and the club at the MCG. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, yeah, it was a great night for the club. Um, you know, ninety-one thousand people there, and you know, a lot of Melbourne supporters there. It was uh, yeah, a terrific start to the final series for us. Have you watched the game back yet? I was. I got home about halfway through the third quarter. I had uh, mum and um, and some family over, so we sat there and, and had a beer and watched the last quarter and a half. And you know, just our intensity and our tackling and our pressure was certainly something that really stood out on the night. What were your emotions through that first quarter? I guess initially Geelong had had the, a few opportunities they blew and then you were able to just dominate and, and, and kick some goals. But then after that, you, you just didn't quite put them away. So how were you assessing that from a coaching point of view? Yeah, I thought our, certainly our start, you know, I, I certainly loved our intensity around the ball, our tackling and our contest. But, you know, you're right. I thought the first quarter was a little bit closer than what the scoreline probably indicated. I thought we, we absorbed a bit of pressure, especially in our back half. You know, I thought our defenders certainly certainly stood up for us um, in the first quarter. But, you know, we connected well forward to centre and got our opportunity to hit the scoreboard. And, um, you know, that gave us a real start that we were looking for. Simon, Bob here. Well done on, on the victory last night. I only watched the game on the broadcast last night, but even, even watching on television, you could... You could see the amount of pressure from your boys off the ball. Is that is that part of the maturing of the group, the fanaticism of of the group away from the footy? Yeah, yeah, it is, Bob. You know, we've certainly um, certainly as we've built this team, you know, around our contest work and our tackling and our pressure. You know, you've seen that flow through to every area, and certainly the way we're setting the ground up defensively at the moment and um, putting teams under a lot of pressure. It's certainly enabling us to, to restrict scoring from opposition, which is something we've worked really hard on. So what about the the playing with different gears? I've seen in years gone by when when the side gets under pressure, as you were last night in the second and third quarters, Geelong up their pressure, and just it, it seemed like the old demons would have just kept sort of blasting away, blasting away. Whereas last night there were times where the, the boys were able to hold onto the ball and and play with different speeds. Was that something something you instilled in them? Yeah, I think you're right. Well, that's probably the sign of maturity that you're really looking for is your ability to understand the moment, understand the state of the game and, and really drop into a level where you can just get some composure back in the game. And I think that's something that has evolved as years gone on is your ability to not only play fast and connect forward to centre, but also just some composure at times down back and, and understand the state of the game. So without question, that's something that the, the group's only matured into. Goody, uh, Jack Viney hadn't played since round 16. His performance last night was extraordinary, particularly in the first half. How did you know that he was ready? Um, I just know the character of the guy, for one, um, and his leadership, but also you know, the work that he's done in the last five weeks with our high-performance team. It's been, it's been built around coming out and performing and, and not just getting him to the line to play, but um, his first half and his intensity and his tackle, um, that's the Jack Viney that we know and, and expect, and um, he delivered but, um, in an incredible performance you know, from our end. Goody, the, the, the way that you know your group uh, astounds me a little bit. I was uh, reasonably critical at stages through the year about your, your lack of criticism on your group when you're in winning positions but you let it slip. 
but you said, look, we're playing the right brand of footy. I'm proud of their efforts. We know we're on the right track. Was that a measured approach from you, and did you ever feel like you needed to lose your call with the group? Um, oh, we certainly had our moments through the year where we certainly challenged our group quite strongly. Um, but at the same time, um, just to have some perspective, um, I think we knew coming into the season the narrative around our footy club would be that um, you know, from a win to a loss would be quite quite significant. Um, but understanding that we still had a fair bit of maturing to do as a playing group, both with how we play, but also how we develop our playing group. They only have to look for our midfield group. Um, you know, Oliver, Brayshaw, Harms, Petrarca, they still only played you know, 50 games, um, 40 to 50 games. So we still haven't really been exposed uh, to a lot of tight games, to a lot of challenging environments, to a lot of um, high expectations. Um, and with that comes great learning. So... Um, you've got to hold perspective through that period and understand that um, those experiences are going to be good for a group, win or loss, um, and really making sure that they do grow from those those experiences. Did you actually have to remind yourself of that at times, Goody? Were you getting impatient yourself? Yeah, you do. You get frustrated. You get impatient. You can see it so close. Um, so you do have to remain remain calm. And I did have to remind myself at times. And um, you know, I think that's where you, you get some great people around you that have been through through that journey along the way to give you some perspective. And we've got some pretty experienced coaches and some pretty experienced football people in our department that have been able to give that perspective and, and keep the whole department on task with, with where we want to go as a footy club. I imagine Brendan McCartney is one of those you're referring to there. It's got a bit of a Brendan McCartney look about it, the whole team. Yeah, look, you know, he's certainly uh, you know, experienced a lot of footy and, and understands the game incredibly well. So um, he's been through a lot of these journeys with, with teams and, and seen them evolve and... Um, seeing the challenges that are laid in front of them. You know, we've also got Todd Viney and um, you know, Josh Marnie and, and Craig Jennings and Ben Matthews who have also experienced these things, you know, at all their footy clubs that they've been at. Sam Wiedemann, Goody, did you think he had that in him? Oh look, he was unbelievable, Sam. Um, I, I certainly know that he's got that in him in terms of the talent that he possesses and, and certainly how he's trained and um, you know, it's it's you know, a great story, Sam. You know, it's it's really tough for a key position player to come in and have an impact as a high draft pick. And um, he's been incredibly patient and developed himself um, in the gym and, and created some unbelievable habits around his training and his preparation. And um, so for him to finally get the rewards of all those things that he's put in place was, uh, yeah, I was just so happy for him and I'm really proud of his performance. If you put the overlay on it, Simon, is, is this team has been built for this moment, for this style of football. Did you sense when they came in last night, having tasted it for the first time, that there's almost, I don't know, belief begets belief as, yes, we were built for this and look what we just did? Yeah, you know, that's, um, you know, as a club, that's what we've been trying to build our team towards, about playing a, a brand of footy, but also building a group of players that were built for, for that style of game and, um, you know, with that experience last night, there was even more belief that that is what they're capable of. So, um, but at the same time, I think the players, even straight after the game, were very measured and, and understood that that's one week in, in what we want to actually do this year. So, um, you know, our, our mindset shifted pretty quickly towards Hawthorne. So you were there on Thursday night. What were your observations from that game? Uh, clearly, Richmond um, played, you know, that, you know, obviously with the weather that came in just before the game, it was always going to be one of those forward momentum, um, tackle pressure type of games. And I thought Richmond certainly handled the conditions incredibly well. Um, and we also know, that, you know, I thought Hawthorne's first 40 minutes was pretty impressive. You know, if they had have 
hit the scoreboard a little bit more, they certainly would have been a, a lot closer in the contest and um, would have challenged. But um, you know, they're, they're certainly a quality side, Hawthorne. Um, they finished fourth for a reason, so we certainly know what we're up against. And you're going to Perth. Why, why have you decided to go and watch West Coast Collingwood live? I, I want to see as many finals as I can. You know, as a coach, I've been doing that for the last five years. And, um, you know, you know, two top four teams that you know, are going to have a, a fantastic battle. So get over there and have a look. And it gives me a chance to get a bit of work done in some peace and quiet on the plane as well. What's, what's your theory on finals, Simon? As you say you've been to see as many as you can over a period of time. What, what, what is finals footy in the modern setup? Uh, it, it is around that contest and that tackle and that pressure and, and being able to handle the moment. But you also see there are a lot of errors in finals. There's a lot of mistakes. And it, it's really how you actually develop a mindset and a, a culture around that, that mistakes are okay. you just got to get in there, mop it up and, and keep going and embrace that. You know, it's, um, you know, we saw last night it certainly wasn't perfect footy. Um, there were lots of mistakes and just your team being able to handle that disappointment and handle that moment and, and continue to keep firing. Simon, what's the what's the balance of the emotion of Mel, the Melbourne supporters and the, and the narrative of the footy club with the players? Is there a balance of, of using that but not overdoing it? Yeah, I think the, the emotion is around the um, the journey for our supporters and, and some of the people that have been at the club, and you've experienced that, Bob. You know, it's um, you want to embrace that, um, but you also you want to be really clear about how we want to play and the brand of footy that we want to play and, and what creates winning. And I think that's really important for a club to understand is um, every time you come into the club from the start of the week, it's about how you have your best preparations to create winning footy. And um, I think the, the players credit, they've done a great job of just looking at what's right in front of them all year. And, um, and that'll be the challenge again this week. But at the same time, we want to take our supporters and everyone at the club and you know, our families on a, on a really successful path. Just back to last night, uh, Simon, what were you expecting from Geelong and did it pretty much eventuate the way that you'd, you'd planned for? Yeah, look, we, we certainly knew that we'd be challenged in a whole range of different areas. They're, they're quite an adaptable team. They they the corridor on by foot and hand, uh, which they did, um, and they and they changed things up. You know, they were they were quick to put numbers behind the ball. Um, you know, they certainly changed some things up at stoppage and, and stretched us four to centre as the game went on when they needed to score. So um, we knew that their midfield was going to be a really important battle. You know, they're they're highly talented. They've got obviously the three guys, but also Kelly and Duncan and. Um, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a quality size for the middle of the ground so that was an area that we wanted to get right and make sure that we were well set up and the harms move over the past uh, yeah, couple of months again last night the duel with uh, Joel Selwood it was exhausting just to watch it yeah look it's, um, it's funny how these things come about you know the opportunity for, for Harmsy to take up that role in the middle of the ground came through Jack Viney's absence um, and obviously, when those opportunities arise, it's amazing how you find something in your team. And for James, it's been um, his ability to go in there, play those roles, but also not only do that, help us find the footy and, and link up to the middle of the ground. So um, oh, he's, a, he's a great kid, Hansi, and he's doing a fantastic job. Well, enjoy the flight to Perth and uh, your preparation for next week and hopefully beyond. We appreciate your time and congratulations again on last night. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. 
2016 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Honda, right choice event, ends this weekend. Some big philosophical discussion in the last 15 seconds of that break. Welcome back. This is Crunch Time for Honda. Right choice event. It ends this weekend, so get in there. And the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Well, there's nothing quite as confronting as losing a final. It gets everyone to voice their opinion about where the club's at. It all seems like doom and gloom, and that's the way it no doubt feels to some Cats fans today. So I invite you to give us a call. 039-429-1116 is the number. Before we do that, let's listen to Chris Scott as uh, he gives his perspective on last night and where Geelong are at. Acknowledge how good Melbourne were tonight. They were clearly a better team in virtually all facets of the game. We felt like at times we had chances to work our way into the game but didn't really take those chances and they deserve the feeling they've got at the moment. We probably deserve the disappointment that we feel. We blew some chances that were inexplicable in our mind early and gave them some opportunities that were a bit uncharacteristic of us. They were clearly dominant the, the clearances and, and around the ball which is their strength, we knew that. But it, it wasn't as if early on we were just blown away. They just chipped away and kicked, um, made the most of, of their chances early. They had some chances obviously late that they could have taken but I, I think that was a bit the same with both teams. Killed in the clearances, killed in the contested ball, killed in the ground balls inside forward 50. They tackled better than we did. They certainly smothered better than we did. I almost can't think of a facet of the game that we outplayed them in. We're always trying to improve our list while we transition. I think if you actually take some time to look through the data, it would suggest that we've been okay for a reasonable period of time, in contention, give or take, not quite good enough in the end, or simultaneously transforming our lists. I think at the end of the end of the year, there's there's only one team that's happy with the way they've gone. There's enough room for optimism in our future. So there's a set of questions around Geelong, around their future, but just first of all, how do we rate what they've done this year? How do we rate 2018? Kane, I might start with you on that before we invite our callers to, to take part in it. Oh, disappointing. I think when you you would expect them to have some final success when you uh, recruit the free agents and the, the players from other clubs like they have. They haven't drafted a player in the top 20 of the draft since 2014, with, and that was Cockatoo, who's yep. hardly played since then. So they've clearly continued to top up over a long period of time since Dangerfield came in. They've gone to the well again. It appears they're going to go that way again. So when you do that, I think there's an expectation that you think you're in the window to have final success and, and when you fail like they have in recent times in finals, what is it, three and, and nine, I think, in their last 12 finals, it's it's a very ordinary record, particularly their first so, quarter. Kane, yes. how do you balance that up with the 15 players they've debuted over the two years? Well, while the perception is they've been topping up. Yeah, I understand. I, I don't know if they're, they're high-quality players that are going to be 200-game players, though, Jared. I think there's a couple of standouts that we know of that have been highly publicised. Stewart's an All-Australian. Kelly's going to be a star if he stays at the Cats. Uh, but I think premierships are won. The key pillar is at the draft. Now, that might take some time, but you look at the, what the Bulldogs did, you look at what Richmond did, and it took time for Cochin and Martin and Edwards and these players, Conker, to come on and and uh, establish themselves at the level, but it's in the draft, and then you add to your group by nitpicking other clubs like like Richmond have done with Nan Curvis and Caddy and Prestia, but I think the, the key philosophy around winning a premiership must come from the draft, and Geelong haven't gone down that way for a variety of reasons. And it so, hasn't so they worked. did do that, and they won three flags, and then they've added to it thereafter. So is there a point where you go, no, we have to go and build it again? I think so. Yeah, well, I think yeah, clearly they did that, and then that was exactly what I'm talking about with the with the players that they drafted, all of them, uh, the stars that they have 
they have gotten now through the fact that they haven't bottomed out. You know, it's not it's not their fault. I'm not I'm not necessarily blaming Geelong, but their strategy now they must have to look at it. You know, yeah, do, do we go and get Dowhouse again and add another one? Will that take us to top four next year? That, that doesn't hurt sure. their drafting prospects though, because he's a free agent. It doesn't, doesn't but uh, it, it hurts your salary cap. It hurts. You know, he's going to want a four or five year deal. It, it, the options to play other players, and 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 it's another one to, to the group that they've already got. So oh, I think they'll just look at their strategy, and uh, I admire clubs that never bottom out. I admire what Adelaide have done. I love what Sydney have done. I love what Geelong have done because they don't take the easy option of bottoming out. But when you haven't had a top-end player come in since 2014, there's con- some, some concerns there, I would think. So they spent the back half of the season in 7, 8, and 9. They were never in contention mm-hmm. this year, and they made 8 and they didn't stack up in an elimination final. So this is the truth of their whole year. It's not one night where they are out-muscled by a better team. This it is, is the, it's the year. truth of where they're at, though, too. If that's the case, yeah. it's where they're at. They've got and, and the whole problem, we'll, we'll get to our calls, is that they've got all these top-end players. I, I don't think they quite know where to play them, for one, but they've got Dangerfield, Selwood, who's now 30, uh, obviously, Ablett they've brought in, and, and other guys uh, like, you know, like Zach Tui that they've brought in that are playing good footy. Hawkins. Tom Hawkins is, is a clear case of this. But if they're not good enough to win a flag now, are they going to be? Is there going to be a period where they are going to be good enough in a short period enough of time, or the, by the time they get the next generation through, are those blokes all going to be gone? That's that's. I'm, so they would have. So they would have had a plan. They're a methodical football club that have, have done it well for a long, long time. Does last night's loss does that trigger a? a change of direction. Yeah, so they would have expected to be in contention this year. And yep. if they're really honest about it, they weren't. So what does that do to where the next phase goes? Let's, so what's let's, the trigger for that? Sorry, is, well, that, is it the Tim Kelly situation? Maybe. Is that, is that the... Let, let's discuss that, but we did ask for calls and we, we'll uh, end up uh, short-timing ourselves. So let's go to Jason in Coburg first. Hi, Jason. Hey, hello, hey, guys. Um, I suppose the most disappointing thing for uh, a lot of Geelong supporters, certainly the ones I've been talking to, is it's just Groundhog Day again. Um, this is a bloke who the club stupidly gave an extra three-year deal to only a week or two ago on the back of two easy wins against cellar dwellers. And now we find ourselves in the same position. We got smashed in the first quarter. We couldn't kick a goal. We had finals. We had our lowest score for the year. We haven't got enough strong avenues to goal. We have an inability to kick an easy goal from 20 or 30 out from Mark. We don't have a crumbing forward. And uh, they're not hard to develop. Every other club's got one. And I just can't understand why we went so hard with such a long deal for Chris Scott when he's proven himself to be a fantastic home and away coach. He's got a fantastic record, which is supported by having a great home ground advantage. But everyone's here to win finals. And you both are all talking about how you know, it's all about winning finals. And yet we've got a guy that's won three out of the last six or seven years. There's no way in the world we should have given him an extra extra, um, extra um, long period without seeing what he produced this year. And our records after a bye, to me, is another example of very, very, very poor coaching. I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about that. Who takes the blame for that? Not being... Particularly starts of games in finals. Chris, I think, said last night afterwards, you know, we thought we'd prepared well, which is something that he often says. But the players... Weren't. So is that is that a Bob? You're a player. Is that a player issue or a coach issue? No, it's it's always a it's a it's a partnership of of the whole thing. This is a, this has been a planned team. Um, it's whether it's whether that style that yeah that, that does it hold up that they they are a great home and away side, but but does it does it hold up in finals? I'm not, so well, does I he have to change? The, do they have to change their way they play. 
Uh, I think they have to look at it. They have to look at all a manner of change because yeah, th- th- three the three campaigns going straight out. That's you, you have to have a, a, a forensic look at it. So the attitude at the start of the third quarter. Why wasn't that the attitude at the start of the game? And that's that came from Dangerfield. That came from Selwood. But it wasn't there at the start of the game when Melbourne served its intent. Geelong controlled the ball for the first seven minutes, didn't get anything from it, and then they didn't meet the physical mm. challenge out on the field. Is I think the the players have to front up to that. Mm. Now, well, they had eight players that had one disposal or less in the first quarter. That's a whole quarter of footy. Um, the the lowest for Melbourne was Jones with two, so 87 disposals to 62. Smashed in the clearances, smashed in contested footy by 10. So completely, I think that's a player, player issue, Jared. Completely. I think so, yeah. I think you've got to... I mean, what can a coach do to... You know, We've gone past the days of bashing the brick walls at the start of the game and motivating your club. The talent is there, Jared. So, you know, the example is there in the third quarter. They've done it before this year, so why weren't they prepared? That's a leadership group. That's a player... That's a player-driven thing that they're not switched on in the first 10 minutes. Tim's in Sandringham. Hi, Tim. Yeah, g'day, boys. I, I suppose last night for me was one of the most frustrating games where there was just no highlights as a Geelong supporter... But the question I've got is, if they've got a plan going forward to win their next premiership, we don't know what it is because they've got blokes who we know now, I don't think, can play finals football. And we can name a lot of names, but then they're going to have to play kids who are probably not going to be ready. So have they got the fortitude to say, we'll play these kids and cop a few losses? Or do they keep saying, well, no, we don't want to play them because we know that we want to keep putting ourselves around the mark? Cookie said that they can't afford to go down the ladder because it might cost them. But yeah, I was, surp- I was surprised at that comment from Brian Cook. i got to say that, that they can't afford to bottom out. I, I would have thought the club is strong enough to withstand a potentially going down if they need to. Yeah, I thought it was a turn of phrase, and then you, you, you pressed him on it. It's like, no, it was a, 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 a tangible thing. It was, car, yeah. The club can't afford, can't afford Fair enough if you say, we don't think we have to, and we'll, we'll make decisions like this, but to not afford to, that, that surprised me. Uh, Grant, if you can make it real quick. Yeah, just real quick, boys. Well, I think yeah, Geelong are yeah overrated and arrogant. So I'm happy that Melbourne won, to be honest. But all I wanted to say was, um, Gaunzy, you said Geelong made the eight. Everyone said that you were smoking stuff and everything, so you weren't far off it. You said Melbourne were a chain. So I'm starting to believe a little bit what you talk about. <laughs> Thank you. Grant, don't don't, oh, don't no. go down that path. Cut him off. <laughs> Got to go to a break. Uh, off the text, surely the Dangerfield trade has been a failure. Uh, we'll come back to the Cats shortly because what do they do next in terms of trade period? This is crunch time for Honda. Right choice event ends this weekend and the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. The award-winning crunch time. Honda Right Choice event ends this weekend and the TAC safety barriers reduce fatalities by approximately 85%. Safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Melbourne fans bask this Saturday in the glory of finals victory for the first time in a dozen years. An elimination final win over Geelong, setting up a date 
in a semi-final against Hawthorne. Simon Goodwin has been our guest on Crunch Time. As a club, that's what we've been trying to build our team towards, about playing a, a brand of footy, but also building a group of players that were built for, for that style of game. And with that experience last night, builds even more belief that that is what they're capable of. But at the same time, I think the players, even straight after the game, are very measured and, and understood that that's one week in, in what we want to actually do this year. So you know, our, our mindset shifted pretty quickly towards Hawthorne. Their second favourites for the flag. So the spruik, which has been around them all year, has never been more intense than it is right now. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson with you on Crunch Time for Honda. Right Choice event ends this weekend and the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Bob Murphy and Kane Corns. So Melbourne, the key takeaway. If it was to end here now, would it be unfulfilling? If they did go in and lose their semi-final, Kane, would that be less than the possibilities that have opened up? Uh, yes, it would be unfulfilling to answer your question. I think it's a pass on the year. I think to, to win a final on a big stage in front of 91,000 with a young group is a pass when you look at it, but you would feel shortchanged, I think. I think we're all going to tip probably Melbourne against Hawthorne next week. So to answer your question, I, I think it would be a little bit draining and a little bit flattening if they lost next week. I think it's already a success. I think it's I think it's better than a pass even at this stage. But I, they just seem like they've got a lot more left in the tank. That the as we've talked about for a few weeks, that the whole world opens up for them now. They've got they've got momentum and they've got the team to do it. They I get the sense they feel like they're just getting started as well. The deep dive is into Geelong as it is when a team season comes to an end. So the the overwhelming question is, where are they? Mm. Are they stuck between the devil and the deep blue sea now? Hutto, you've run the numbers on drafts past and players debuted. As, what, what's your thesis right now? Well, just Kane referred to it before, that they haven't had the uh, a pick in the first uh, first round since 2014. And unfortunately, Nakai Cockatoo, who was picked 10 there, we just haven't seen the best of him because of injury. Uh, and because of the trades around Dangerfield, pick 59 was their first selection in 2015. They have, as you said, uh, debuted some players. The last two drafts look like they've been successful for them. They got Henry as a rookie. Zach Guthrie as a rookie has been okay. Last at 2016, we're talking. Uh, Parfit at 26, Stewart at 40, Radagalia at 43, and Narkel at 60. All look like good picks for the draft from where they are at. 2017, uh, what we've seen of Fogarty so far, he is going to be a player. Tim Kelly, the ace pick there at 24. Constable's been regularly the best player in the VFL, so he'll debut next year. Myers is still a young and, and fairly slight small forward. Hopefully he can be one of the answers for them in that in that regard. So their, their, their lack of access to that top-line player has, is... is is apparent, uh, and instead they've brought in the players that we've talked about, uh, like like Ablett and Smith and Tui, Henderson and Dangerfield. Uh, but what do they do? They've definitely done well in the last two drafts. But the question is, what do they do now? Um, do they do they engage in the Tim Kelly discussion? Do, well, yeah, do they see what they get for Tim Kelly? That's my question to you. If, if there's been a change of the plan and more of a rebuild style, and they and they don't announce that to the world, but what what are the symptoms for for those of us on the outside? Is it is it just the Tim Kelly situation, or are there other things that would give us a hint as to what direction they're going to go? Well, do you make a hard decision on a player that you're not going to get anything for? That would be one question. So. Whether it's, uh, I mean, as far as I know, Taylor and Henderson have still got a year at least to go in their contracts. I think Scott Selwood, from memory, has another one. Um, 
and any of those players, I mean, Gaz has got another year to go. Do they do they think about making calls on any of those players? I'm sure they can find enough other players on their list to, to delist in terms of, you know, clearing up getting, the space in their draft there. to be able to get other players in. So they don't, they don't need to make any of those changes if they genuinely think they can win a flag next year or in the next two years. What do you think, Kane? Uh, Kelly's the one that I'd entertain. Uh, look, I, he's going to be a, a very good player, but at age 24, if you and if Fremantle has so happened to lose Lockie Neal and they were prepared to do something ridiculous like Gold Coast did for so uh, like whether, what, what would they need to do well, for Geelong? I think it would have to be a it'd be a top 10 pick, wouldn't it? I think in a really strong draft this year, I would I would certainly look at that. I'd look at a top 10 pick. I um, mean, there'll be some wheeling. Won't be straightforward as that. There'll be some wheeling and dealing behind that. But if he, in time, he's going to end up going back there anyway. Uh, you certainly be negligent not to look at that. But is, is that going to solve your issues? No, it's not. They need to sit down in, in the course of time. What does our best 22 look like on paper right now for round one next year? And if Harry Taylor's not in it, uh, Hutto, then maybe you have that conversation with Harry. Can we transition you out into a coaching role or something like that? I don't know what their salary cap looks like and, and the intricacies of that. But Well, they've yeah, got they... enough room for to get Luke Dahlhouse in, so they've... They've, they've they, worked that. Yeah, and that, that, they look at that as well. He's, he, I mean, they laid one inside 50 tackle in the first half last night. So, Bob, does Dowhouse help in that area? He probably does. But, yeah. you know, they've struggled to fit all the players getting midfield minutes uh, in this year. And Dowhouse isn't coming across to play as a small forward who's going to touch the ball 10 times a game and kick two goals a game. He's going to want midfield minutes as, as well. So, does that give them another conundrum? I don't, I don't know. Their picks are interesting, I think. So, they've got 11 at the moment, which will become 12 on the... Lynch compensation, and who's to say there won't be a little bit more in there? But if they could get one either side of 12, and Kelly was the way to that, and may, so maybe three under 20, mm. is that's what they haven't had, and that would complement. So the 15 players they've debuted, so Kelly, Fogarty, Narkel, Henry, Abbott, Radaglia, and Jones this year. So you'd say yes on, well, obviously yes on Henry, yes on Radaglia, it looked like a yes on Narkel. I think still Narkel's got yeah. promise. Um, and Kelly's an obvious, but, you know, he might want out. And the year before, Parfit, who I think's a yes. O'Connor, Stewart's already All-Australian. Cunico, who's shown a bit. Parsons, Simpson, Buzzer, Zach Guthrie. So there is a core of young players, I would say six or seven players out of the two seasons there, plus potentially three picks under 20. Is There's your nucleus of your next team if you wanted to do it that way. Mm. Are any of them but is this where the, top line yeah. midfielders or top line players? Um, well, you would presume if you ended up with, in, in this theory, three picks under 20, you would at least get two out of that. Out of that. Yeah. So you don't need those others who weren't high picks to be absolute A graders. Uh, and then you've still got Dangerfield, who's certainly not in decline. Selwood is there. But Ablett is now the really interesting one, is... He came back in a year where they they didn't improve through his presence, and in fact they they materially went backward year on year. Um, and he's obviously uh, going to continue to decline from there just on years and physical condition. Is that's not what they thought they were bringing back? And if next year it's worse, then how do they? The, the unanswered question for the year is how does Ablett best fit into this team? Like, he can't play forward. I always thought for years and years that he would. That that's he, what, that like his dad, he'd go top. back and play yep. forward and he'd get three more years out of it. Yeah. We now know that's not the case. Yeah. Just to reiterate what we were talking about a little earlier, Brian Cook, 
uh, was on Crunch Time uh, back on August 25, and we asked him uh, about uh, the Cats and where they're at in terms of uh, their approach to list management. I'd be really disappointed that we, we couldn't win a final. I, I, I wouldn't change a lot of the strategies that we're, we're, we're thinking about. I mean, this is, this is a long-term game. We've got good coaches, good players. We've been going through a transition for many, many years now. We only have four players left from 2011. Mm. And yet we've finished, I think, in the finals every year apart from 15 and been in the finals 13 out of 15 years. There's a lot of clubs, ask Melbourne, who just you know, have made the eight once in 12 years. We can't afford to bottom out. Commercially, if we finished on the bottom two years in a row, it would be hard for us to maintain a P&L, you know, a, a cash flow that's going to work for us. So there, that was the, the money response from Brian Cook, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, clearly, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of the, the profits and, and loss for, for, for Geelong, but I was, I was staggered by, by that. And I wonder if that, yeah, that would explain the, the lack of bottoming out. The easy option is Kane put it. <laughs> you don't have to go to the bottom. No, though. you don't. You no. just have to accept that for the that next year we will develop as a priority to contending. So contending six second, and if you have a good year, then so be it. And that's just hard to stomach when you've got Hawkins and Dangerfield and, yeah, these, and, and I mean, Selwood in their absolute yeah. prime. Selwood's probably past his prime now. Dangerfield's the once in a generation player, and think, wow, that's a, how how long and will you get another? Will you never get another crack at it with Dangerfield still there? So and he, so he's the one you measure your cycle on. You go, are we going to get stuck in the middle through the the best years of Dangerfield, or are we going to give ourselves a chance to compete? in his cycle in the game. I get the other element into this is the, something we did touch on earlier is about how they play. I mean, maybe they do have enough talent there, it's, but maybe they actually need to change how they play. Well, that, that's that's the question I'm, we're talking about. If, if they've decided to make a shift into, or whether they say, no, 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 we, we'll hold out for one more year whilst we've got those, no, Hawkins, Ablett, Duncan, Selwood, Dangerfield, Taylor to to go again, tweak some things, but put all the chips on the table for next year. Mm. We've spoken at length throughout the year about their, their midfield and their stars, but they're a poor midfield side. Their, their, their numbers around stoppage are, are as bad as, you know, they're probably bottom four in the competition, and it was found out again last night. So they'll have to address how the names that they've got in there and the combination that they continually throw in there continues not to work against good sides who are strong around the ball. So that's been Geelong's issue all year. It cost them the game against Sydney and Geelong um, uh, earlier on in the year. It cost them last night, and it's cost them in their losses all year. So those, how, na- how those names weight, are good, but they're not getting it done. When how it much weight, Kane, do you put that on the their inconsistency with the, the Ruckman well, that they have? Hurt, well, that hurts as well, doesn't it? And and that's that, that's an area where I think can you can get a bounce quickly if you can go and target a get Ruckman one. who's not. And we've seen it uh, over many times. You'd never draft a Ruckman. You just go and pluck a second string ruckman from another club who's not getting opportunities and turn him into an A grader like Nan Curvis has done and like many others across the competition, Sam Jacobs at Adelaide from Carlton who wasn't getting opportunities there. So there's a few in the race for that. Well, isn't there, there is. The you look at Proust at North Melbourne. I don't know if he's good enough, but people would have watched him at VFL level this year. He hasn't got a game. There's been linked with Melbourne actually. Yeah, and and Adelaide I think as well. They're after a ruckman. So Lysette's been you know getting the kitchen sink thrown out of him for that reason. So there are second Ruckman around uh, in Geelong. They could pick up one relatively cheap, I'd imagine. Well, that's what Zach Smith was supposed to be. Yes. So they've had a couple of goes at this, and it yep. hasn't panned out for them. The style is interesting, and I reckon this goes to Alistair Clarkson's comments from Thursday night about Richmond's capacity to kick what he termed grubby goals, mm. is I think there's 
Um, there's structure and system, the way that Clarkson likes it, the way that I would say Chris Scott likes it. And then even Simon Goodwin spoke last night about we, ma we got it as a chaotic game and that's what they wanted. There's the chaos of finals and then there's the structure and purity. And I think the purity held sway for a lot of years and never more so than in Clarkson's 13, 14, 15. The pure total football that Hawthorne played was glorious. That's not the age right now. This is the age of chaos. And when you measure up a highly systematic structured game against the madness of the first 30 minutes, I think that's why Geelong keeps getting blown out in first quarters of finals. Because they're trying to play, they're trying to play, the, the, and the opposition is just going, it's, let's mm. make this carnage, physical <laughs> carnage. Well, and, and the, the perfect description of that is is the way, the way Richmond structures their forward line, isn't it, Jared? Like, Rewalt doesn't at times even try and mark the ball. He just brings it to ground and makes sure the opposition don't mark the ball. Uh, Clarko said in his press conference they were willing to kick the ball 30 metres off the ground. They knocked it on in those conditions. So, Well, that is Luke Dalhouse as well. So that, you know, yeah, maybe yeah. this, the, the thinking's already I, I feel like Geelong protect. Their, their bottom half of their, the way they play as well. They, they, they set up defensively with a shuffling sort of defence and they protect a lot of the times. And they, I think they probably recognise that themselves a bit mid-year. It was, it was working. They had these numbers that were, were phenomenal defensively, mm. but they felt that come finals that wasn't going to stack up, that they weren't going to be able to play that way. So it's interesting. I'll be, be fascinated to see what changes are made in the coach's box uh, over the off-season. So let's delve into Thursday night. This is crunch time for Honda and the TAC. He was cautious. The ball eventually came to Rioli, who's gone. The underneath kick. That is the most brilliant bit of play you've ever seen. Maybe not the most brilliant play you've ever seen, but it was a very good goal. Martin, the toughest possible kick. It's Dustin Martin. Nothing's impossible. And so the Tiger fans... He'll fill the MCG again. They're getting used to this. That finals feeling, they're into another preliminary. It was so Richmond tonight, just too good. When the frenzy was on, when the fight was on, the Tigers were on. And that's why are they, they are the overwhelming favourite for against this premiership. It's hard when your own words get used against you. It is. <laughs> Kane, how did you come away from Thursday night? Oh, as expected, I think. I Just uh, another uh, another thought in my mind that it's going to take something extraordinary to beat this side. I, I love the fact that Cotcham went to another level and he was interviewed after the game and he said, I've been scratchy. I, my form's been average, but he was exceptional. Martin... His last five weeks, I think he's probably been the hottest player with, with Dangerfield apart from last night in the competition. He's just coming good at the right time. Um, um, Prestia back in the side is so important. So, yeah, look out. They've got selection issues. Ellis misses out. They've got all the ingredients that happen with a premiership winning side. You've got unlucky players at selection. You've got their best players peaking at the right time. Um, and you've got a coach and a, a, a playing group that has an unwavering belief in the way that they play. It's interesting, isn't it? With, with we look at some of the other sides in the finals and the, the injury clouds and the risk some sides are taking, and then the Tigers leave Alice out. That's yeah. that's mm. that's their luxury. And we talk about you know Richmond's Richmond's bottom six, but I even think that's harder to define now. Whereas last year was oh you know that that bottom six was like, oh, who who are they? Who are they? it was a it was a dominant display. The uh, we've night. come to realise how important they, their bottom six is, isn't it? With the roles they play. Yeah, and I mean, and that's something that. You know, internally, clubs talk about all the time about that's that's where so much improvement comes in in your side from from those you know the the, the bottom six players and the, I, 
they, they won as expected. Well, I'm not sure what the margin was in the end, but it was a comfortable margin. But I, I came away from Thursday night being even more impressed by Richmond, thinking mm. that they're that much better than, than everyone else. There's a, there's a gap. There's a clear gap. They kick 95 points, and Rewalt doesn't kick a goal yeah. as well. Like, it's just... Uh, uh, yeah, it's extraordinary. The performance... I mean, there is a lot to play out still, and we know a lot can happen. But as I said, um, it's going to take something extraordinary to to beat them, particularly on the ground. They've won 22 straight. How quickly can Hawthorne bounce back? I mean, there's a heap of room for improvement when you look at... I mean, Bruce and Burgoyne missing those shots oh. for goal just, just as, as a starting point. And what they didn't get out of Bruce and Gunston and um, and a number of their, their good players. Stratton is a big loss for them, though. But Stratton's a big loss, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't lose too much faith of where Hawthorne are at. It wasn't a horrific night, but it was, it was just more about that's that's just the gap that Richmond have on the competition. I think it was about Hawthorne. It was just that's that's what the gap is on all of them, just about. Yeah, that, that that's what I thought as well. I thought they were pretty strong in the first half. I thought they, they had a, a real crack, but just the, the lack of speed. I thought uh, Richmond coming to the game had the advantage across the ground. Now, Hawthorne do have that ageing style of list, and only they're very reliant, aren't they, on Mitchell, and, and O'Meara was good, um, but they're, they're very reliant on Smith on the wing, who was probably down. He had a little bit of the ball, but didn't stand out. Uh, Sicily will get better for the run. Um, Gunston and, and Bruce, as you said, no influence whatsoever, nor did Sean Burgoyne. So there's, there's improvement, and it'll take a good performance from Melbourne to beat them next Friday night, but uh, right now you'd think Melbourne's a four-goal-better side than Hawthorne. And Stratton's absence, which sits so heavily over this. Well, yeah, well, he's been their, their best defender all year, so he's done a hammy. It's gonna, he'd probably have to make the grand final if, he, if he's going to come back. So uh, you look at uh, what Wiedemann did and, and what uh, McDonald has done in the forward line for, for Melbourne. It's going to be a, a huge blow for them. Sicily probably plays taller. Does he put Gunston back there behind the ball? That's an option that he's done and has used at times. I like him forward, but... These are all the things that they'll have to um, assess during the week. Show makers probably comes back in. Who would play Tom McDonald then? Would would it be would it be Sicily or would it be uh, would it be Frawley? Probably. You think Frawley would? Yeah, he's got the experience. Yeah, it's interesting. We talk about the the players coming in. Sicily, as that marking forward who judges the ball so beautifully in the air, missed a bit of footy. He, mm. he, he at times looked re- looked not quite all at sea, but the timing was 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 out here. It's a good it, battle a between one. him and Caddy, wasn't it? Like, yeah, it was. Caddy has become such an important player for them. You they could look- just see that timing of Sicily's step of of, yep. of when to go. It was, it was just a bit of which that, that's what happens when you miss a bit of footy. You miss that that the, the flight of the ball timing. Clark was talked down really Hawthorne, isn't it, from a from a broader point of view as to where they're at right yep. now. He was yeah, he did after the game. He said almost like it's not it's not our time, like we'll have a crack and we'll give it our best, but if we if it doesn't get done it's you know, it probably hasn't been our time. And it was his comments after the game and I said yesterday, I was just a bit flat by the the lack of intrigue around his coaching and uh, <laughs> we, we spoke, didn't we, Hutto, about yeah, we oh, just like, Oh, come on, surely you could have just come up with something. I mean even even uh, Damien Harvick was asked, did, did Clarko come up with something that caused you any grief in the coach's box? He said, oh, well, he did. Yeah, yeah, he put Isaac Smith behind the ball and we were sort of scratching our heads in the coach's box. What are we going to do with Isaac Smith? Where's he coming from? But Clarko just said, nah, nah. No, no, no tactics whatsoever in finals. Premierships are one on system, which is, which is fine and which is true. And I'm not going to question Clarko and his coaching, but the mystique around how influential coaches can be, particularly on game day, 
uh, was taken away a little bit with his comments. It, it was, as we discussed last night, Jared, a bit of a byproduct of the bye, wasn't it, or the extra, the weekend off, because yeah. we had all this extra time. And by, by the 13th day, Clarko was going to have them all kicking with blindfolds on left foot. By Wednesday, I'd convinced myself that Clarko was going to bring out the Mighty Ducks, the flying yeah, yeah. But that yes. was It wasn't it. I thought it was more a respectful nod to Clarkson. So nobody, no. nobody in their right mind thought Hawthorne was going to beat Richmond outside of Hawthorne supporters. So you go, is the, the only way this can happen is mm. if the genius of Clarkson can kick in. And could he do something to leave them off balance? And the answer ended up being no, and he says he never even thought about it. I, I would vaguely dispute that. I think there were things yeah. in the game that they did try. They just didn't work. But... It was, instead of being dismissive of Hawthorne, it was actually, actually, we're going to respect Clarkson's legacy across 14 years. So his contention was we all ignored it. You go, no, no, I think it was only because, if you're a Mm. second-year coach, Mm. we would have gone, no chance, let's talk about the next game. Yeah. Um, So it was actually a nod to it. But that's... That's and, totally okay because that, yeah. there was a, an ounce of deflection in that as well. I, I guess reckon. to Clarko's yeah, to Clarko's point, what he's generally done is made significant change in the off season. He's gone overseas. He's found how he wants to t- change. There's some great stories and probably hasn't been fully told yet about some of what they've done in the in the off seasons and where he's got the information from and how he's had his the players system, not the trick, not, yeah. the, not the match day. Trick. No, yeah, wearing GPSs and running here, frowned running upon there. The trick. Frowned upon the trick now. It's not part of oh, the team. Still, I lo- oh, we, we still want the trick. The, flying v <laughs> the surreptitious cameras behind the goal before you're yeah. allowed to do it and all that sort of thing. So he has been an incredible innovator in the game and he, and he won with a new... He reinvented the game in 2008. He's got a premiership to show for yeah. it. Um, and mid-year last year, they changed halfway through. It wasn't working. They changed the way they were defending. And they were able, to his credit, they were able to just turn it around in, in mid-season. But, yeah, it was less gimmicky one-game things. But we love a gimmicky one-game. I'm game. a bit of a gimmick. But, but the adage of Hawthorne didn't finish top four for a reason, which we're always really careful of, out of that, that doesn't quite apply here. This hasn't been that sort of year. Mm. And there wasn't a gap between the top four and the rest. No, well, there. the fixture played its part in that too, yeah, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. And now the one thing you would say is when, Hawthorne and Melbourne met, that was probably Melbourne's worst failure of the year. The Sydney one was fresher, but the Hawthorne one was worse. So they've got a bit to overcome mm. in the way that Hawthorne sets up against them mm. um, to make sure that they actually do, uh, you know, get full tote odds out of the possibilities that they have set up. Is Hawthorne this year stood as a major impediment to them. Which is which is also a that's that's a good thing for Melbourne psychologically. I think that Simon they will tap into that straight away. They can ground of, them. Hey, remember, like this is what we have to push up against. We're not. It's not all about this riding this emotional wave for the for the for the demons. It's remember last time we have a point to you've got to have a point to prove all the time. All right, so uh, that was Thursday night. There's a lot to discuss uh, coming up in the crunch from events during the week. Uh, and we'll turn our attention to the two games uh, in more depth. Which was the hardest of the two games remaining, uh, Bob, to to select your winner? I had a... I mean, they, were, they were both tough, but I had a, I had a really difficult time with the, the Swans-Giants game mm. that, that, we'll, that we'll see today. I, I picked the Swans, but with, not with a lot of conviction, I must say. Yeah, I'm the other way. I picked the Giants, but not with not with uh, much confidence at all. I, uh, look, I think their speed could trouble Sydney, but the conditions up there, the small ground, will play into Sydney's hand. But they've been they've been poor at the SCG, haven't they? Well, they lost six there this year, which yeah. is um, unlike Sydney. The other game, I, I found that 
more simplistic for me. I, I think West Coast win comfortably, but um, that's just my thoughts on it. I went Collingwood just to go opposite yeah. the game. We're, we're an egg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not even convicted. It's just so natural uh, between the yeah. two of you. <laughs> go on the road together, you two, uh, you, I reckon. I, think, I feel like the Giants are going to end up in the same category as Geelong if they lose this yeah. eliminate. I don't think there'll be a filleting of Sydney in the aftermath if they lose. I think there'll be an admiration. They've been able to put some young players again. in, yep. but I think we'll probably accept that this was about right. If the Giants go out first up, and especially if they go out meekly, I think that it'll be the same conversation around Geelong. So, well, where are they now? The two preliminary finals and this, they have faced extraordinary adversity, but it is unrelenting adversity. There's no reason to think that this is suddenly going to get rosier for them. And I don't know whether... I don't know whether they'd all be there if they bow out today. I think there's a, there's a handful of players whose fates as to where they'll be next year probably swing on whether they truly believe they're they're on the brink. Well, that is something we can expand on because, I mean, you're right in terms of uh, they've had an extraordinary list of injuries this year and um, whether they think they just might get an even crack at it next year and be able to launch or whether it will be pivotal in the minds of some players that think it's just not going to happen for them at the Giants and they'll look elsewhere. Something we can talk about a little bit later on through the next half hour. Lots of issues during the week. Of course, Tom Lynch continues to be prominent and the discussion around free agency. So uh, we'll explore all of that and a whole lot more. A number of the teams that haven't made it already uh, gaining our attention. The move of Luke Dalhouse to Geelong, Lockie Neal uh, and Carlton with McGovern. AFLW, the changes made there. That'll all be on our list of topics to discuss in the crunch, which is coming up. This is crunch time for Honda. Right choice event. It ends this weekend, so get in there. And the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for same race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. 16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Honda, right choice event, ends this weekend. Raiders swept across the FCG once more, but that's okay. We're still hours away from play in the elimination final between the Sydney Swans and the Giants. There'll be some juice in the wicket, though, Jared. I'm <laughs> sure will when indeed. the covers come off. They, they took the covers off once and then they put them back, back out. On. It's classic SCG. I've sat through a few days of cricket like that and they never get on. Um, but they will be on a little bit later, and it will be on properly. And then tonight in the West, the Eagles host the Magpies. Reveling in last night's victory of Melbourne over Geelong and the previous night, Richmond over Hawthorne. So it's a high bar that's been set first by the Tigers, and then Melbourne have uh, taken a step some way towards that. This is crunch time for Honda. Right choice event ends this weekend. And the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. The crunch is the issues of the week. And free agency has been right on the top of the list. This has been pending. Michael Gleeson in The Age wrote the story that Hawthorne and Collingwood had been told privately to divert their energies elsewhere. And thus it was concluded that Tom Lynch has committed to Richmond, which has been probably a long time in the offing regardless. So what does it mean? As Bobby, you told the story that when Franklin went to Sydney, it was the, we'll throw it all up in the air moment. Can you just do that again for those that didn't see it? Can you just throw get... it up and throw your paper to the air? Just you missed it. Just a bit closer to my... <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was. I mean, when, you, when, you, when you're languishing down the bottom of the ladder and... You've lost your place. Trying, to get, trying, to, get, trying to get players and trying to drag your side, you know, off, off, 
into the eight. And then you see one of the top sides drag the best player in the, in the game. There, there, there was a sense of hopeless. I felt a sense of hopelessness. And I, and I wondered this week whether whether you know this story had, had you know reverberated around the competition of players saying, wow, you know, Richmond are the benchmark. And now they've got, you know, the... the the biggest fish out there. I mean, well done to Richmond. How well have they managed their their football club from the top down? And in just about every aspect, they've, they've, they're they're a behemoth, and they've been able to pull this off. It's incredible. But it'd be yeah, there'd be some players slapping their throwing their notebooks into the air metaphorically. Hutto. So Kane, you, you've been consistent on this right throughout the year in identifying what the problem is, but. What is the solution? Is we have a really immature version of player movement in Aussie rules footy in the AFL. Mm. The well, the international model is not this. No, uh, well, I'm not exactly sure what the solution looks like, but I think the clubs need some power back. Now, now one of the things that that can be done is give the clubs some power to trade contracted players, provided that the player is not hurt financially. So. The other club that wants that player who's willing to pick up the contract, um, but the player might not want to go there. But but too bad if there's a if there's a club willing and wanting to trade with a contracted player and that club's happy to move them on, the club should be able to do that. Now I think that is a sign of maturity that would get it to a new level, Jared, like we see in American sports. But for example, I gave this one yesterday. Hamish Hartlett had five years to go on a contract at Port Adelaide. They were happy to move him on. There was a club in Victoria, I think it believed to be Essendon, Essendon. who were willing to pick up that contract. But Hartlett said, nah, I'm not going. Well, well, too bad. This is giving some power back to the clubs because right now they've got none. Now, that doesn't solve the free agency side of things, but what it does do, it allows some clubs some flexibility with their, their contracted players because we see McGovern break a two-year contract and go. We're seeing players across the competition do that. The now, Players we, Union wouldn't accept that, would oh, they? No, because the they would say that already, power. as a 17-year-old, you get told where you've got to go. So you, that's And then part of the... Um, Compensation for that is this is the free agency that they've bought in. So if you're going to bring that in, they'd be looking for some pretty strong um, other measures that would give the players more freedom. Yeah, the, the players' association frustrates me a little bit. I think they've far, got far too much power now. We see, you know, the, the benefits that the players get. I know the clubs are frustrated with the amount of holidays the players get. It's up to 13 odd weeks now. They get the two or three four day breaks during the year. They get a day and a half off during the week. It's extraordinary privileges that the players have. Now, I would think that for a 12, 13-year career or even less, on average, a six-and-a-half-year career, that too bad that you don't get a choice where you go and play. You put your name into the draft, you sign that right away, would be my thinking behind it. Now, whether we exclude the top four clubs out of free agency, I don't know, but the, 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 something has to be done because what, what for Gold Coast now? What hope do they have uh, to see Richmond go and probably win back-to-back? That's what we're thinking, their favourites to do that, and then go and put a top 10, 15 player in the league into their forward line. It's it's crazy. I mean, because there are other aspects of the way so many players come from Victoria, don't they? Like they, they So in terms of... Mm leaving those fledgling clubs, particularly at this stage of their development, I mean, the lure is to, is to get is to get players back. So it's not a pure... It, I mean, nothing in our game is pure and even because of the way it's, it's evolved as a competition. But it's not easy to find a, a clear solution for this that everyone's going to be happy with. Yeah. Is it is what the players... I mean, we talked about the, the Players Association wouldn't be happy with because the, the influence of American sport culture within the AFL 
playing group. As I, the small sample size that I yeah, have is, is immense. Yeah, is is huge, and that that they the players uh, actively chase that, that, that they want it to be as close to that as, as they possibly can. But that's not really the culture, is it? No, 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 no. Either that's for right. the supporter or for the players in the way. But otherwise, it, 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 they it would be interesting about what the players act really thought about. Okay, so you love that system, and for all these reasons, but okay, the mm. the the. The, the option that, that Kane brought up there, what about that? Is yeah, that, or, or let's make your wages public so your fans and your supporters, so you're accountable to that like they are in American sports and like the club, so the fans have full disclosure to your salary cap and the way that the club is managing it. Would the players be happy for that? Because that's in American sport. That's in other sports. So you're spot on. There's parts of it which they like and they think is... If sexy is the right Glamorous, word, or yep, yeah, yep. but there's parts that the AFL Players Association will not go anywhere near. They won't touch it. So you're either all in or you're not, or we just don't have it. And you wait. If you want to get to another club, you wait till you're out of contract. And oh, that's what? your, Jared, your view on the franchise. Yeah, that, we use it? about a quarter of the mechanisms of player movement, and it skews it badly. But it, just using that small portion of it without all the other levers that actually leads to the scenario we're in. Now, it doesn't preclude teams from being able to attract players or build a list and rise, but um, if, we got, if we got a set of these, um, it just does skew things badly at a time where you need the rest. Like, you need... There has to be a proper pool of free agencies. If you follow this anywhere around the world, like, there's a pool of running halfbacks, and if you're in that pool, you are in demand every year. And you don't sign five-year contracts. You leave yourself available. And, like, Jared Pollock reminds me of the Caulfield Cup favourite who doesn't race on Saturday and goes from six to one to three to one. He's, like, his week, oh, while he's good. totally inactive, it's just, he's through the roof. And next week, his stocks are going to soar even yeah. further. It, like, I think there's a there's a scent of desperation around a, a couple of clubs and... Pollock's going to be the major beneficiary of it. But, yeah, it, it, that's the incredibly immature nature of what we've done. We've just done a small portion which plays to one of the ideas, which is free agency, but it doesn't include the rest of the balancing factors. Where are those other clubs that are chasing desperately free agents and contracted players right now? St Kilda being one of them. North being another. Well, yeah, Carlton, so, and Carlton as well. Carlton, yep. I would say from the outside, North are really strategic in what they've tried to do year on year. Um, St Kilda are trying to affect significant change in their list as much as is possible from one year to the next. And there's a finite group of players that you can do that through. So they're obviously harvesting really hard in that market. And I suspect they're blowing prices out while they do so. Um but one of the man- I bumped into one of the managers on Thursday night, and he said, for what I thought was going on, it's fivefold. There is so much more going on than he realised, and when you tap into it. So I sort of feel like we're braced for a, a player movement period like we haven't experienced before, and maybe that's part of it, and it's part of the maturing processes. We culturally cling to the idea of the old, the old BFL, AFL, is to get into the new world requires this huge movement of players year on year on year. Maybe we're getting there. Do you think the fans are getting there, Bob, and should have to get there, or do we? Should we just be happy to cling on to what the traditional way that 
less movement in our game. I, I think it's it's a it's a mixed bag, and I and I I put my hand up as a, some as a luddite in this mm. area of you know wanting everyone just that you get one club and then you stay. But you know, so I'm having to catch up. But I think you actually even come back even, so you can go to <laughs> that's when I heard the, hear these numbers of halfback flankers, yeah. my ears pricked up. Yeah. But I th- I think even an acknowledgement on on my side of the fence that it's moving one way. And it's it's going towards what we've been discussing. There are metrics around this, so there's a great contradiction. I think there's the view that that the nostalgic side of fans hates player movement, and yet all the metrics from media companies is it's the trade stuff that fuels yep. clickbait. It fuels wraparounds. It fuels podcasts. It fuels vodcasts. All that sort of thing. It's all based around the possibility of trades. So and, and so many people play fantasy football now that they, mm. they get used to it themselves. Because yep. I think it gives you, it gives the fans hope, doesn't it? I yep. mean, there's only, as uh, Chris Scott said, there's only one club that's happy at the end of the year. So there's 17 supporter bases that want hope at the end of the year. And that trade, that little window, gives your fans hope that you're going to be a better side next year. So I suspect there's a, there's a core who are really vocal about wanting things to stay as they were without recognising things have already moved. Yeah. And probably most people are happy for it to actually rush to the far end. And let's let's get this cycle going. Let's shift the cultural attitudes towards it. Steve, I'll just play this. Steve Rossich has taken over the list management duties at Fremantle, the chief executive for the time being. Uh, Lockie Neal is very much in play. This is Rossich on Mix 94.5 this morning. Lockie's a fine young man he and is. been a terrific player for us, 25 years of age. Got a lot of good footy ahead of us. He's contracted to us for 2019 and we remain positive it'll extend well beyond 19. Has Lockie asked for a trade? And secondly, was there an argument in a meeting between Lockie Neal and Ross Lyon? Categorically, no to both questions. And in fact, the second one, our leaders didn't even have exit meetings with the coaches. A time of year where there's plenty of mistruths and unfortunately that's the case. So that was oh, yeah. in, be- in between the, the best mix of the 80s, 90s and today. <laughs> <laughs> well done, man. That's Sorry. our sweet spot. Yeah, <laughs> it is. No, no exit meetings for the leaders. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you make of, of that dialogue? Uh, you, you don't know the player wants a trade until he comes to you and says, oh, by the way, I want to be traded. Yeah. If you know that Lockie Neal has spent the weekend in Brisbane and met with the club, I think your, your ear's up. And, so, uh, and, and, and his wife's bit... following uh, <laughs> Brisbane players on Instagram. You need, I reckon you need to be really careful with your public dialogue in these things because you can look silly in three days' time. So, And this is not Steve Rossich's main gig because mm. he hasn't done this part of it before. I'd, I'd just be braced and be quiet until the player told me what I'm doing. And then if he says I'm staying, I'd shout from the rooftops. Yeah. But I'd just hold my fire until he said it. All right, we uh, we could even revisit that as we flick through a few more quick crunch questions after the break and then turn our attention to the two games that are still to come in this 2018 final series. This is crunch time for Honda and their right choice event. It ends this weekend. And the TAC safety barriers save lives, getting us towards zero. How would you like to ramp up your club's game day atmosphere? Big Screen Video is giving 10 lucky sports clubs the chance to win a $10,000 grant towards their own digital scoreboard. Register now at iCanWin.com.au slash BSV. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time. Honda Right Choice event ends this weekend. 
So we channel our efforts into what lies before us. The last two games of this opening weekend of finals. The second elimination finals, Sydney and the Giants at the SCG. And then to Perth for the second qualifying final, West Coast and Collingwood. Jared Waitley, Anthony Hudson, Bob Murphy and Kane Corns with you on Crunch Time for Honda. Right choice event ends this weekend. And the TAC, safety barriers save lives, getting us toward zero. Let's start in order. Go to the SCG first. So Swans and Giants. It's going to be on. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think the it, it's really going to be on now that the SCG will suit Sydney clearly. I think on paper the Giants have a better side and a more damaging midfield. They're as good as anyone through the midfield and their ability to exit the stoppage with speed and and their ball movement has always been, I guess, their biggest strength. Now John Longmire, we know, will come with a plan to try and shut that down. Hewitt to Kelly would be would be tantalising. I think can he go with him? Uh, what do they do with Lockie Whitfield off half back Sydney? So you'd expect some negating tactics on those two. But I think what we can expect is a brutal encounter in the midfield. And if the conditions are as you're describing them, then that'll just play into that. So the, the toughest team wins wins this game and I uh, can't wait for it. They just GWS finished that last time when they played them. Was it round 22? Uh, they just... They'd... They were gone, weren't yeah. they? That was the most impotent last quarter you've ever seen. And then they bowled out four quarters against Melbourne in a similar vein. Mm. They desperately needed the breather. Mm. It's just, do they have the second wind after taking that breath? Like and their the... ins as well, Bob. I, I don't know. Sometimes the first game back is, is the good game. It's the second one that will challenge you from injury. Now, you'd be able to speak about that better than, than me. But DeBoer, Green, Deledio, Williams back in. I actually like and support those ins because I think that will give them some spark and a bit of freshness that they were lacking, particularly in the game you just spoke of. And I reckon to Jared's point earlier about this being a pivotal game for their future, I reckon this is a this is a day that you would like, Bob, as a as a coach, where there's got to be a bit of emotion about, you know, the journey so far. Yeah, particularly when point. you don't have to you don't have to orchestrate it where it's, yeah. a, it's a first final and you're up against the, the side that there's spite against. But uh, it, it's interesting, isn't it, though, Kane, with the, the, the inns you mentioned there, uh, they're, they're great names, but it's, it's whether... I mean, Zach Williams it, it, it missed a lot of missed a lot of footy. Deledio is a... That's a huge mm. risk. And I, I wonder Deledio coming in... You know, we talk about the half, but, you know, Whitfield and, and Williams for, for GWS, but, you know, up the other end, Jared McVeigh, whether Deledio comes in as a and has a role there as a half-forward flanker, I'm, I'm not too sure, but he, he, the risk on his on his body, you know, is, we've seen already the Jack Viney in, the risk pays off big time. The Hawthorne Sicily, not so much. There's We've seen a, a mixed bag, and, and we'll and see a bit Delidio's of that. Delidio's record is, you know, in, in recent years, and with just, body. With, just with the... I mean, the calf is the one that just, and you just could, keeps going. You could going. lose him in the first quarter. I mean, then they went, they've been through that with Ryan Griffin as well. It is a big risk. It is, yeah. And Collingwood has taken a set of risks as well. So Trelaw was the no-brainer. How's not a risk, I don't think. But no. Goldsack... Staggered. If, if you thought Collingwood should be concerned about West Coast structure, so did Collingwood. Yep. It's the only way to read what they did. Yeah, well, 100%. Now, this... To me, it looks like a, a one-sided affair. Um, you know, can you expect Trelaw to come back in? The psychological um, issues that you would have on the back of 
dual hamstring I- I- injuries is massive. I, 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 I can I think Trelaw will be fine. You think he'll be okay? Yeah, yeah. I do. I don't know. I've never I've never done a hammy, but I, I always thought that it would must take some adjusting to be prepared to absolutely run at full speed like he does. Such a powerful athlete. Now that's one hammy. He's had two hammies that were required surgery. So oh, I'm not sure they wouldn't pick him if, if he wasn't ready, clearly. So you'd back them in. But I just think in Perth, it's just it's just so hard to win. Well, you, you pick this one, probably West Coast wins six out of eight. And I think that'll be the case today. You, you can... You can... You can when after you have a hamstring, you can pass all the tests mm. with flying colours and still have the doubt. So until, you think about it, don't through, you? Yeah, until yeah. he gets through tonight, he'll he'll have moments of just not not one hundred percent sure. But Goldsack, I'm I must I am staggered by that. That's a it's a huge feather in his cap that they've got the confidence to put him in. But when you come back from a knee reconstruction and he, he had two touches in the VFL, yeah, like, I was going to say he hasn't coming back from a knee reconstruction. It's it's not that you lose your touch. You feel like it's it's. They've changed game. the rules of the sport. <laughs> you, you, you feel you can feel all at sea. So he's going from a VFL game into a an AFL final. That's just a massive jump. And who? And he? Do you think well, he takes I, Darling? I think he might get Darling. Right. I, I think as that as that mobile uh, higher up the ground. Um, if he goes to Darling, Jack Darling, we get we get pretty excited. I think if he, to mm. to work him over and, and give him all the tricks of his trade. Yeah, well, I mean, it's going. Tuvi used to play on Darling all the time and 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 play well on him. The, the the one area that they've got is their midfield is is so strong. Grundy, we know about him, but then yeah, Adams is in great form. Trelaw comes back in; he's another rotation. But Sidebottom and Pendlebury, they're they're high class performers, finals performers. So you put Grundy, Sidebottom, Pendlebury, and Adams up against West Coast midfields. That that's the advantage they've got. So. If they can win stoppage, win centre bounce clearance, get time in forward half, then that's the way they win this game and deny deny Darling and Kennedy um, the, the opportunities that they uh, will, will get at some point. But and if they win, Kane, if if Collingwood win, as Bob is predicting, and you're not, um, where does how much of a chance are they? I mean, the, 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 they'll be riding that amazing Richmond-like. Wave, won't they? From... Yeah, well, I think. Yeah, I don't know. This is a ridiculously obvious statement, but for them to win it, this is this is the game they they have to win. Um, a week off would just be amazing for them back home. Um, so to, to overcome a side with such obvious key forward power would do mm-hmm. huge things for their confidence because that they, they they obviously they know that that's that's a hole in their side. If their pressure's enough in the middle of the ground where they can put this defence together and and get over the top of the West Coast. And then you can get more back as well. And say in another fortnight, who he's been okay the first game back more. It's been the second one back. So do they do they select him? So oh, it's huge. It goes without saying, doesn't it? And then and then you you miss Richmond as well because you're you're hosting your own That's preliminary handy. final. Yeah, yeah. So I, this is a little bit like the the meeting of the two ways again. As Collingwood's will I presume they will play their helter skelter, chaos, ground ball, highly physical, super intense, and the Eagles will like to control the ball and use their structure mm. so what does that look like in Perth in these finals that that's actually why I like Collingwood because mm. I think that is so in vogue that the Collingwood strengths are actually definitively better than West Coast in that area but and when you when you say the structure in vogue why does that mean that that's why how this game has to it play doesn't, out but it's just if you're looking for a hunch yep. as to how to separate them yep. just for the moment I favor that how much does not having gaff hurt them do you think oh massive massively yeah, the swing for 
the Collingwood having Trelaw and the Eagles not having Gaff is is massive, isn't it? Because they're both as good as anyone in that in that position. One's how hard? One's not. How hard would he be doing it this weekend? Oh, oh. Yeah, it'd be be really. Be Saw him at the All Australian, and he was you know, he, he was there with his mum, and you know, it was it was clearly difficult for him. But he was just, he fronted up as he had to do, yeah, and, and it could get it could get worse before it gets better for him, unfortunately. Mm. And then he has the decision to make as well, doesn't he, about his own future? Got a lot on his mind. You got a hunch of where he's going to end up, Jared? Back in Victoria. Mm. At at North? Um, yeah, probably. But I, I just feel like he'll end up back in Victoria as a starting point. All right. Who who are you? Who are your two selections today? Uh, I'm Giants and Collingwood, and I'm fully braced to get zero of those two. <laughs> yeah. But that's how I've landed. I'm Sydney. I'm Sydney and West Coast. Uh, Giants and West Coast. And none of us are. Uh, we're all different. Are we? <laughs> That's good. Makes for good crunch, fellas. Good. <laughs> All right, we're going to go and have a... Uh, what are we going to have, Bob? Uh, I don't know, winner's coffee. <laughs> no, winner's coffee. Winner's Very coffee. Good. We're having loser's coffee game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you Shy. Bitter. Miserable. <laughs> cold. Sacked everyone. <laughs> That's what happens when you lose a final. But yeah, we're going to recharge the batteries and we're back here when the covers will come off at the SCG. The umpires will be out and they'll say play ball between Sydney and GWS. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.